Today is not only a holiday weekend where we celebrate Memorial Day and remember those who gave their service and their lives in the service of this country, but it is a lesser known holiday, but a more important one we call Ascension Day. Actually, Ascension Day was this past Thursday, but we remember it this weekend and the bearing it has on all of us. So I read from the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 53. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Goodbyes are usually sad. Goodbyes are almost always hard. I remember a young man and his much younger son hugging each other fiercely at a cemetery where we had just buried the man's wife and the little boy's mother who had died of cancer. Because goodbyes are so hard. I remember a young couple struggling violently with their grief. Savage grief as we were at another cemetery after just burying their eight-month-old baby because goodbyes are so hard. I remember a dear elderly woman who sat 
on a chair beside the hospital bed where her husband lay, already brain dead, but she held his hand and touched his forehead every day for a week because she couldn't bring herself to ask them to turn off the machinery. Goodbyes are that hard. I have been at goodbyes at hospitals and cemeteries and graduations and airports and farewells and at the edge of town as the car pulls out of the city and heads toward another city, another house, another place of employment. Goodbyes can be very hard. And this is a weekend originally set up to remember goodbyes. Those we've loved and lost in the service of this country. But of late, we've had to say goodbye to so many other things as well. Many of us have said goodbye recently to loved ones. And some of us have even had to say goodbye to saying goodbye to them. Some of us have had to say goodbye to our health. Some of us have had to say goodbye to our jobs. Some of us have had to say goodbye to our security. Some of us have had to say goodbye to our independence, our confidence that we could manage the details and the affairs of our life. And while you can't see it, at least not very much of it right now, all of us, have had to say goodbye to worshiping together. And all those goodbyes are very hard. What's it going to be like, the disciples must have wondered, when Jesus leaves? He had said he was going to. And they didn't know when. What's it going to be like when we lose him again? They had already lost him to crucifixion, and they remembered that horrible weekend. What will it be like when he departs once more for good? And then it happened. He left them and was taken up into heaven. But do you know what the, last, the next words in this last chapter are? Then right after he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. How could that be? How could that goodbye of all goodbyes result in joy? It was because this goodbye meant what goodbye always was intended to mean, God be with you. He had said something to them sometime before this day that just didn't make any sense. Something that seemed to defy all the pain that significant goodbyes aroused in them and arouse in us. He had even predicted that that pain would afflict them. He had said to them, and John records this in chapter 16, 
Because I have said these things, and the things he had said were that he was going to go away. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But then he went on. And that's what made no sense, no sense at all. But I tell you the truth, he said, it is for your good that I am going away. Oh, it was true, though. And it's the truth of it that finally made it possible for them to watch him disappear into the clouds that day and go back to Jerusalem without him, but with great joy. So Luke tells us, he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. It's still lordly. He's the leader. He's the captain. He's the one who decides where they're going. He's the one who decides what they'll see, what they'll hear. He's the one in charge. And while the realization begins to dawn on them, what is taking place right there in front of them, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. It was clearly a priestly act. It was clearly a benediction. It was not just uh, good wishes and a fond farewell. This was the blessing of God. The conferring of God's grace and God's enabling on them. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. You may not have realized it, but that word bless has not appeared in the Gospel of Luke since chapters 1 and 2. The birth story of Jesus, that story was surrounded by blessing. Five times the word was used in those chapters. Not again until chapter 24. And it's as if it were being said by Luke, the ministry of Jesus began and concluded on this earth with blessing. It started and ended with blessing. As he was ascending into heaven already, disappearing from sight to receive the name that is above every name and to wear the crown that was promised to him, he confers the crown on his believers, his followers. The blessing is the Lord's crown on us. The promise of the possibility of really being his disciples, of really doing what he tells us, of really fulfilling his expectations. And it was good, they discovered, that he was going away because his absence brought them closer. His departure brought them together. Next week we celebrate Pentecost, the pouring out of his spirit through whom Jesus lives not next to us or across from us or behind us or somewhere else where we could go and touch him but within us. This goodbye was not our kind of goodbye. 
but a real, authentic God be with you. And he was. You will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His promise to 11 people, the only 11 we know of at least, who were his disciples. And his last words to them, and in this gospel to us, were a mission mandate to go to the ends of the earth. And then, Luke says, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now just stop here for a minute. And think about who these folks were and who we are. These were folks who had time and time again demonstrated their incompetence, who had time and time again demonstrated their inability to do what he told them unless he stepped in and helped them make it happen. People who were afraid to speak up for him, who were hesitant to follow him, and who were quite ready to disobey. And with his arms outstretched, over them and beginning to disappear in the clouds above them, a transformation took place in them. Those people, people like them, people like us, turning them from what often seemed to be keystone cop-like characters into joyful worshipers. And it all happened after the benediction. The prayer of Paul for the Ephesian believers was answered for these disciples under the outstretched arms of Jesus. That God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the all-glorious Father will give you spiritual wisdom and the insight to know more of him. That you may receive that inner illumination of the Spirit which will make you realize how great is the hope to which he is calling you. The magnificence and splendor of the inheritance promised to Christians. And how tremendous is the power available to us who believe in God. That was Paul's prayer. That should be ours. And Jesus is the positive answer to it. The power that even then was at work transforming them. They were heading into what they didn't call, but we now know as the new normal. It's scary. Old normal, whatever it is, is at least something we know. The new normal... We don't know. We don't know when. We don't know what. We don't know how. We don't know how long. We just know it's new. But what we know because of the ascension is that in a new normal, that new normal they found themselves on the Mount of Olives that day, <coughs> and the new normal we find ourselves in right now and heading deeper into, we are never alone. We are never on our own. 
It's the same mission and the same captain and the same power and the same possibility. And it did this to them and it will for us. First of all, it inspired their worship. Then, then they worshiped him. That is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that the word worship is used to describe the disciples' reaction to Jesus. On the brink of the new normal, that's when they worshiped him. And we learn from this that worship is possible only for those who have gone beyond angel annunciations and the breathless testimony of women witnesses to the resurrection and the powerful story of the Emmaus disciples to an intimate, close, personal relationship with Jesus and awareness of his resurrection and the responsibility it puts on our shoulders not just to tell people of it, but to demonstrate it in the way we live. And they worshiped him. They fell before him. They gave him their lives. They surrendered to him. They crowned him Lord of all. That's what this experience did to them and their worship. It also inspired their joy. They returned, as I have read many times in this message already, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And with those words, we go back to the beginning of this gospel again. Remember, good news, great joy, all people. Remember the angels singing it, saying it, telling the shepherds and us all. Now, believers had what Jesus was born to provide, great joy. And they took that joy back with them into the rest of their lives. I'm assuming it transformed their fishing or whatever their profession was. And it will transform yours. I am assuming it transformed their relationships with each other and with others. And it can do the same for you. I am assuming, in fact, I know it gave them a courage they did not know they were capable of. And it can do that for you and me, too. This reality made life worth living and witness worth giving, and it still does. And it made all of life different and touched every corner of it. Think about that in these difficult days, when what is happening to the globe is so uncertain and so upsetting and so unpredictable in a way, it affects our attitude. Give that attitude to Jesus and let him shape it. When what is going on in our world and in our nation and to our future determines our reactions to things today when Jesus wants to be in control of them. When it determines whether we respect each other or others and how we treat people. When Jesus' power gives us the ability to treat them as he would. 
when they saw him ascend, they went back to Jerusalem, not only with great joy, but to everyday life, to where they lived and worked and loved and learned and played with great joy. Can I give you just a simple, well, it isn't simple, it's profound, but it's a simple story that I heard on the news, I think it was just yesterday, about a family, I guess an extended family, let's say a wife and several of her adult children and their spouses and their children, at least a dozen people meeting outside a hospital where on the third or fourth floor, the father, husband, grandfather of them all was in bed dying from the coronavirus. They would wave and hold up cards with messages and nurses would be in the window with messages back to them. He heard you. He loves you. Thank you. And they would applaud. They did that day after day after day until one day the nurse's message was, we're so sorry. He's gone but they're still going back to that hospital to stand at other windows and give other people love and express joy to others and bring messages of hope and goodwill to others. That's the kind of transformation the Lordship of Jesus Christ can accomplish in a world as broken and ill as ours. And what happened that day inspired their fellowship. They stayed together in the temple. Now, that's a bit of a stretch. As I preach to an empty room, we can't stay together in the temple. But the principle underlying it is still as true as it was then. They had begun to see one another as fellow immortals. Not only those for whom Jesus died, but those who would someday rise and reign with him and were now destined and desirous of living for him and empowered by him to do so. And they helped and they cared for and they loved and they prayed for and they worked with, and they worshiped beside one another. I pray the day when we can do that as fully as we used to and better than we ever did is coming and coming soon. And if they had asked before this day, what will it be like when Jesus leaves? Well, now they knew. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. But, Jesus said, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Stay there until I pour out my spirit on you. That will happen in 10 days. He didn't say that, but that's what did happen. There was the necessity of the spirit coming in before believers could go out. We don't have to wait. The spirit is here. The Spirit is available to us for the asking. There is that all-important matter of being equipped 
Well, how did they wait? What did they do? How did they spend their time for those 10 days between the great commissioning and the great equipping? Listen. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer. William Barclay wrote, the quiet times in which we wait on God are never wasted. For it is in these times when we lay aside life's tasks that we are strengthened for the very tasks we lay aside. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. What a glorious ending to something so special as a gospel. Uninterrupted praise, uninterrupted worship. How will it be that disciples frightened by the world around them fearlessly went into that world? This is how it would be. This is how it should be. This is how it still is to be. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord praying while you wait. And they stayed continually in the temple praising God. And this gospel that we call Luke, which began with a doubtful Zechariah, ended with doubtless disciples. This gospel, which we call Luke, which began in the temple with hope anticipated, ended in the same temple with hope fulfilled. This gospel we call Luke, which began in the temple with Simeon and Anna praising God, ended with all the newborn disciples praising him. And what happened on the Mount of Olives that day is still touching and changing lives to this day and now. Nothing and no one would ever be the same again. Remember the hymn? So shall our song of triumph ever be. Praise to the crucified for victory. Lift high the cross. The love of Christ proclaim till all the world adore his sacred name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, King of the church, King of the universe, we bow in humble worship before you with your praise in our hearts and rising to our lips, thanking you for leaving to be closer, for going away so we could be together, for promising your spirit so we could be empowered. Thank you for hope. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for a future guaranteed. Thank you for all you do for us. Now touch us in this day and this weekend in this place, on a weekend we have set aside to memorialize those who've died in the service of this country, 
and on a weekend when so much of what's going on in the world seems sick and sickening and hurtful and dangerous and hopeless. And lift us from despair to yourself and help us, your children, to bring that good news and that message of hope, not just with our mouths, but with our hands and our feet and our eyes and our lives and our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Go now in peace, and may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in all places. The Lord be with you all. Amen.